and welcome everybody back for another episode of the virtual and remote version of the Heat Ratio Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Jigsaw-Cotillo, joined always by Coach Dave Dixon and Mike Mataraki, and we're losing John Coker tonight, who's, I don't know what he's doing, probably revisiting the Steelers draft and how they <laughs> didn't get a quarterback that they should have got, but we'll see about that. But listen, I, I can't we, we go on any long. What's that, Mike? We can trade them one. Well, yeah. Well, that's where, we're going to go right into this because uh, it's got. I mean, we didn't have an emergency pod, but we probably could have. I broke a couple chairs. I was going crazy. Hashtag quarterback factory. Right, right, right. Well, what, what, what the quarterback factory, right? I mean, Howie with the vanilla chocolate pepperoni <laughs> sausage. Here we go, Howie. What the hell is going on with Jalen Hurts? It, like, you know, no, he killed me too. I know about you guys. Before you get your opinion, but it was when. Adam Schefter goes, oh, you know, when they went to him before the Eagles pick and was like, this is going to be the pick that everybody talks about. We're like, here we go. What's going on? Jalen Hurts, second round, 53rd overall. Please, I don't know if either one of you guys could talk me off a ledge, but explain to me why when, and I know you guys heard it, but why when you have so many other pressing needs, you're not a Super Bowl team. You didn't just win the trophy. It's not like you're going into this year and saying, ah, we just need a couple pieces we can afford to get cute. You're not Bill Belichick. You're not the Patriots. Why the hell do we take a quarterback in the second round? Somebody please help me out. Dave, you want to go first? Yeah, Dave. Uh, well, okay, that's fine. Um, you want me to talk, talk you off a ledge? I'm yeah, well, you can give me both sides if you want. Well, I, I, at first I was furious at the pick. And, and you know, when you still have uh, – Mims was still on the board, I'm pretty sure at that point you could have had – you know, I, I was pissed at the first part where we didn't pick up C.D. Lamb and we allowed Dallas to do that. So we can go that with Rieger, picking Rieger, re- reaching there when you could have had uh, Johnson um, from LSU. Um, so – You mean Jefferson? I mean, excuse me, Jefferson, excuse me. And, you know, the Jalen Hurts thing to me, the positive spin on it is um, the reality is your starting quarterback hasn't played, hasn't finished a playoff game, right? Started a quarter, and we've been in the playoffs for the last three years. So you get, you know, first, let's go this way. Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal college football player. He's been in two top flight organizations, programs, we should say, and he's won them over. He's been the captain on both programs, playing quarterback at a high level. He is a phenomenal football player. So I don't want to take anything away from Jalen Hurts. Uh, My issue with him becoming an eagle is that we had so many other holes to fill that I did not expect that to be one of them. Um, so, I mean, listen, I could go on with many other things. I, I, I saw one person post on social media that we're trying to be like the Saints and, and, and Taysom Hill. Um, may I remind you that Taysom Hill was an undrafted free agent. From Thank you. That, Thank that you. was picked up by the Packers and then traded to the Saints. And we didn't – and they didn't waste a second-round pick on Taysom Thank you. Hill. Um, and that's and that and that's my issue. Bring it to Mike. That's my issue. What you said. The one thing I, I think the narrative that's flawed is exactly what you said about having a backup behind Carson Wentz, who has shown the inability to finish seasons. My issue is 
That's a flawed logic because we all know Jalen Hurts. We all know he's coming in, and he's going to take time to develop. This isn't a guy that's automatically going to lead your team to the promised land. He's not. So if you want a backup for Carson Wentz, you get a veteran guy who can play, not a guy who you don't know what the you know you don't know what to expect from, not a second round pick who's a developmental quarterback. So I, that's what I don't understand about this. So what would you guys say if I told you that my feeling is that the selection of Rieger in the first round and the selection of Hurts in the second round are directly tied to each other? How you figure. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. There were four quarterbacks selected in the first round prior to the Eagles selecting Rieger at 21. My gut feeling is that Howie did not see all of those quarterbacks going that early. And as a result of four quarterbacks going that early, there was one receiver that started, or one position, I should say, that started dropping much lower in the first round than it should have been, and that was wide receiver. We didn't see the first wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, go off the board until 12. And then we, you know, we, we all figured that there was an opportunity there when Ruggs went at 12, and then the next receiver to go was Judy, I think a lot of people thought that there was an opportunity there to trade up and get Atlanta's pick. Well, yeah, get the Atlanta pick, in which case you're going to get CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. But I also feel like what happened was Howie looked at the board and said, okay, well, the top four quarterbacks that we had had rated are all off the board. The next quarterback that we have, you know, on our board, is Jalen Hurts. We really like this kid and we want him, but if he's the next best quarterback on our board, he's probably the next best quarterback on everyone else's board too. I don't want to part with that second round pick to be able to trade up to get CeeDee Lamb. So let's just stay pat at 21. At that point, it's basically a, you know, a 50-50 on whether it's Rieger or Jefferson. Clearly they liked Rieger a little better. So they take the safe pick, they take Rieger, and then basically they cross their fingers and pray that Jalen Hurts is still there when they select in round two. Sure enough, Hurts is there. They take him, and now they have to explain why they wasted, and I'll put that in air quotes, wasted, a second-round pick on a backup quarterback. But, you, but, but how is Rieger the safe pick? That's, a, that's what I don't understand. because what, what, you kid is the safe pick. I don't think either of them are the safe pick, in my opinion. No, I think I think. Who would you want, Tony? Honestly, if you if you go like if you go Ayuk or Mims or someone like that, then you're reaching. I think right. If they have have Rieger and Jefferson ranked the same, they're either of them would have been a safe pick. Yeah, but my opinion, what 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 you said is right, Mike. You talk about Mims or or, or Ayuk. I say, what trade back then? Oh, I, I, was saying it, I was saying it for weeks. Trade to 26. Trade with Miami. If, if, if your guy, if you can't get C.D. Lamb, who in my opinion was the best receiver in the draft, if you're not going to get that guy, why settle on a guy in Jefferson or Rieger who I don't think is ready and not a lock when you can move back, get an extra pick, and get the same caliber player, but it's easier to get him a 26 and gain another pick? Well, see, it's funny that you said Miami because – the scenario that I had thrown out in the days leading up to the draft was see if you can swap 20, 21 with Miami's 26 
and get one of Miami's second round picks because Miami had 14 picks in this draft. Yes. So if you draft at 26, you could be looking at Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray. And then if you want Rieger that bad, you just come back and you take him in the second. And, I mean, and Miami me, was Miami was mine too. And I, you know, I but I was saying, you know what, if none of those receivers are there, I was like, listen, man, let's go take a center. Let's take Cesar Ruiz. Let me take the best center in the draft to be able to back up Jason Kelsey, learn he can play guard, covers your offensive line death, and maybe you trade back in the first round in San Francisco, and you could probably still get Ayuk or Mims, which you could have. It could have worked. But obviously, Tony Jigsaw Cotillo's here and how he's there. So. <laughs> So it really doesn't matter right now. And be, before we kill Howie, I will say this. I thought he had a phenomenal day three. But that can't take that can't take the hurt away from no, one, one and two. Absolutely doesn't, but I will give credit where credit is due. I thought he had a phenomenal day three. I, I feel like he turned chicken in, chicken, day old chicken into phenomenal chicken salad on day three. It's day one and day two that I have serious questions about. He so, wasn't prepared. Well, he was well, prepared for the draft to shake out the way it did. Well, let me ask you this, and here's my issue. So even if you had a phenomenal day three, anybody, please tell me, anybody, how many guys in this draft are going to come in and contribute with no rookie minicamp, with no OTAs, how many guys are going to come in and contribute from day one? Probably that's my one. issue, right? That's part, that's part of the problem with one and two. I mean, you could have – like Mike said, and I don't disagree. I think the kid from Clemson, I like the linebacker from Temple in the sixth round. I mean, uh, the two linemen from Auburn, I like I, I like both of them. Um, Prince Prince is a beast. But the, the question that you're asking, Tony, one and two, they need to be starters. They need to be able to play day one and play every game. Um, and you're not going to have that with one and two again. Uh, well, Dave, I, I think you're spot on. I think one and two have to be able to be starters, and maybe this particular year they have to be defense because it's easier to step in and start right away on defense than it is on offense. I mean, I, I actually said the night of the, the first round that if you don't want to part with your second rounder to go up and get CeeDee Lamb, then offer Atlanta your first this year and your first next year. Because yeah. your first next year isn't going to be near, worth nearly what a first-round pick is normally worth because, A, the NCAA might be playing spring football next year, <laughs> and, B, the evaluation period isn't going to be enough for you to make a really firm first-round selection. So, obviously, I mean, the question then is, well, then why would Atlanta want it? Because it's still a first. Right. And but, here, here, let, me, let me ask you this. You swap picks with Atlanta. They still get their D back that they wanted. Absolutely. Right? So let me ask you, getting, getting C.D. Lamb, Mike, you, you spelled it out pretty well with, with what you would have offered. It has to be worth that not to give Dallas an opportunity. Yes. Didn't everybody know, even though they don't need a receiver, didn't everybody know that Absolutely. they taking him? Of I course. Got, I got crushed on Twitter for this exact scenario. I said, you, I said, you draft him with this year's pick and you give up next year's first to keep him away from a division rival. And I got crushed on Twitter for that. 
Well, I don't know who crushed you, but they're not very smart. No, they're not. I probably the soccer guy that works for Philly Influencer. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just throwing it out there. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I mean, he—it's the truth, though. It had to kill people watching Jeff Jones smiling, knowing that he just stuck a dagger in our heart. Not just him, Michael Irvin too. They both were giddy about it. Yeah, well, the, the response was, you, you don't let another team dictate who you draft. You let 31 other teams dictate who you draft. Come on. That's the game. That's part of the game. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, so what, what, what out of we, – we, we, we don't have to go through every pick, obviously, but um, a couple things intrigued me, and a couple things pissed me off. Number one, Dave, you've already alluded to it. To me – CD Lamb was the best receiver. Not, not, not only do you make that trade to get the best guy, but you make that trade to not let them go to your rival. It's just what you do. Okay. Number two, we've been talking about offensive line help for how long? And Pro Bowl left tackle Trent Williams uh, for goes for a bag of peanuts. A bag of peanuts. Where was Howie sleeping on that deal again? Like, well, Hold, hold, I get hold it. The phone on that one, though, because you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, you're going to say, why would Ron Rivera want to send him up the pike yeah, to Philadelphia? You know, it's hard to trade, hard to trade known commodities in the division. It's just come on, man. You got to at least come out, Howie, and tell me that was like your ultimate pizza. Like that was what you were trying to get. You know what I mean? <laughs> like at least tell me something. That's yeah. all you want to something. Yeah, give me something, man. Come on, meat so, lovers. Who's, so think about it this way, Tony. <laughs> this is scary. Who's your left tackle right now for the Philadelphia Eagles? Jason Peters. <laughs> you I'm still so, want to bring him back, huh? I'm sticking with it, dude. I'm telling you, I'm sticking with well, JP. You, you might get your wish. He might come back for you know for five hours at this point. Because I mean, listen. Yeah, we 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 all talked about Andre Dillard. We talked about. You know, I you know the, the the underlining issues that were talked about with his personality, with his immaturity, you know, with his emotions, and there's no secret of why he was being dangled on trade day as trade bait. I mean, if you're doing that, right? If you're doing, you have to know that you have a left tackle waiting, right? So if, if that's and I know, listen, I'm not saying it was 100 true to me. Where there's smoke, there's fire. It's being talked about it by credible people. It's real. And they must have had a plan. I still think that plan is to bring Jason Peters back on a one- or two-year deal if they were going to be able to move Andre Dillard. I still think that was it. I still think that's exactly what they were ready to do. You you could be – we'll never know, but you could be right. Uh, and Jason Peters still could end up in an Eagles helmet. I mean, he's still out there. Uh, well, they, they drafted – both of the offensive tackles from Auburn. So to me, that says at the very least they did homework on offensive tackles and were prepared to draft one. And I'd have to assume that had they been able to move Dillard basically at that point going into the season without a left tackle, if they can't get JP to come back, they may have been prepared to draft one fairly high too. Well, that is true. That's true as well. And and what? Hold on. Let let let's spin this a little bit too. And we're going to talk about everything, obviously, with the draft. How about the Giants? Like, is it the gospel that if you're going to take an offensive lineman in the top ten, and there's a guy from Alabama sitting there, that's the guy you take? I mean, they 
they breed offensive linemen in Alabama, right? I mean, how do you take a project at four? You take the known commodity. That's Lane Johnson territory, right? That's who you take. Gettleman, what the hell was he doing there? Playing with his mask. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, yeah, what was that? Yeah, so apparently, apparently he had gone through chemo or something like that. Oh, uh, okay. And, and there was IT guys in his house that he didn't want to be exposed to. Uh, but, I, but I did think it was weird that when the camera went to him, as he was supposedly getting ready to pick, he was there messing around with his mask. Yeah. There was, uh, a, there was a lot of interesting draft rooms, let me tell you. I thought I, I thought the Miami Dolphins did a, did an excellent job on the draft, and and that's I, I was against actually what I suggested the Miami Dolphins do. I was one of those guys that had them calling Cincinnati and trying to get Burroughs it, from them. Um, but uh, Tua, uh, despite Tua, remove him from their draft. Uh, I, although he could be a special player. You got. You have to take two of there. Sorry. I mean, listen. I I wasn't. I'm not hell bent on Tua because of that injury. He's a phenomenal player if healthy. Um, but the rest of their draft, I thought Miami really did a nice job. They did. They did. They did a really good job. But let me just tell you why I think you have to take two. And I agree with you. I'm not sold. But my thing is, when you're the Miami Dolphins and there's a premium position a premium price put on the quarterback position, and you haven't had a quarterback in how long? I mean, how many Jay Cutlers and Jay Fiedlers and Josh Rosens and uh, uh, Chad Penningtons? I mean, how many guys do we have to go through, right? So if there's a shot. We've got a Jay Fiedler mentioned. Right? Jay Fiedler, come on, right? So they have been in quarterback hell. So if there's a 50-50 shot and you still have two other picks in the first round, you have to take it. Yeah, you just have to take it because if his injury is not severe, and if he, you know, I know he's been riddled in injuries, but if they, you know, if the hip is okay and everything else kind of falls in suit, he is one special player that you can build around. It's something that the Miami Dolphins need, and they have the best coach for. I, I love Flores. I really do. I, I I love what he did last year. I love what they're doing in Miami. Uh, you see, Tunsil got a, uh, Tunsil got a contract extension in uh, Houston. Um, which it's another tackle gets good money. I think he got like sixty six million. So you know they were able to trade him over there, get some picks. So they were able to do a lot of the good things in Miami. But I I think they had to take two. Yeah, I, I think a big part of that too is a good chunk of their fan base are Alabama fans. I mean, if, if you live in the state of Alabama, I mean, you basically root for the Saints, the Falcons, or the Dolphins because nobody roots for Tampa Bay except <laughs> except Fox fans. So wow, now I, I a lot of people root for Tampa Bay now. Now the yeah. Patriots fans are going to be voting for 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 Bucks. You're you're going to see a lot of short term Bucks fans. <laughs> like two-year Bucks fans. Oh yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, from Massachusetts, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly flights, right. Flights from Boston to to Tampa, St. Pete, like the weekend of Tampa home games are going to be ridiculously full. <laughs> and you know, it's funny when you look at it all. There's there was so many coaching changes, so many quarterback changes, all these draft picks. How about? And this came after the draft, but how about Jameis Winston going to the Saints? See, and that, it, it, like I, I think that is a brilliant move 
by my favorite coach in the NFL, Sean Payton. Uh, I, I love it because he sees something and says, listen, we know Drew Brees has done it this year already. We know that Taysom Hill may – we don't know if it's the guy. Why not bring in a guy who I think has raw ability that I can coach up between me and Drew and maybe get this guy ready to be our quarterback next year? I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a chance. It's a, it's a roll of the dice, you know. Um, I want to know what the sell job there was. Like, what do you how mean? Does, how does I – mean, because they obviously have a starter in place. Right. So how, how does Sean Payton sell that to Jameis? I think the way Tony just said it. Jameis, you're, there's 32 teams in the league, and you have no affiliations with any of them. You just went through free agency, and you have not a sniff to be a starter. Just went through the draft, and you see that the teams drafted their potential starters, and this is your opportunity. Take it. I think it's take it or leave it. Here's and, what we're offering you. Here's what we're offering you, and it's up to you if you want it. It's yours. And you know, if if Sean straight up, he basically could be like, "Listen, here's the deal." I mean, we could basically say, if Drew goes down, we're going to keep Taysom in the special package. And you're going to be the guy. You could build your wealth. And if I can make you into the guy you are, if we decide to go with Taysom next year, maybe you decide to go somewhere else and you get that big money contract. So See, I think that, there's a, a, a big selling point out there. That, that's kind of uh, – I can see both both sides of that. I was also wondering if, if maybe they didn't, like, sort of give him the tough love where they basically just said, look, you threw 30-plus interceptions last year nobody's going to pick you up for the money that you want. But if you come here, we can teach you and we can make sure that the next time you get a starting job, you're not throwing bad interceptions. You're not making bad reads that you're twice the quarterback that you were when you were with Tampa Bay. So swallow your pride, come here and back up drew for a year and we can turn you into the quarterback that you want to be. No, it's exactly right. And, and I think it's, it's a it's a great opportunity for him. It really is. I'm not a Jameis guy. I think he's you know I hate no. to say it. You <laughs> I'm, know, not, I'm far from it. Right. I mean, he's dumb as a box of rocks. I I, I hate to say that, but you know, it's a true. You, anytime you throw thirty picks and thirty, <laughs> I mean, come on, man, you must not be able to read a defense, homie. Sorry, you can't. You can't. You can't. No way. Correct me if I'm wrong. Cam Newton is still without a team. Crazy. Correct. Crazy. Go back to Jameis for a second, though. Didn't he have, like, four straight games towards the end of last year where his first pass of each game was intercepted? I and, think like, three, a touchdown, too. And I was going to say, and three out of the four were, like, pick sixes or something. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, and, and it's a good point about Cam, though. Where, where, where does Cam go? I still Is think he, Cam winds up in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. What are the chances of Bill Belichick taking Cam Newton? I still think he's a New England guy. And how about Andy Dalton? Yeah. What's he do? I don't know what he does. He's he, going to take he, a backup he, role. He's the one that goes to the Patriots. He could be. Somebody's going to the Patriots. Is Jacoby Brissett still with the Colts? That's a good question. Yeah, right? that's a good question. I don't like, know if he's he, a backup or what. I was going to say, does he wind up backing up Rivers? Because I could see him going back to New England. 
Belichick yeah. loves recycling those quarterbacks. Yeah, he does. No. Now that's that's I mean, how, many times is, how many times did Brian Hoyer play for him? Oh. Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Well, Belichick's going to have a chance to play recycled quarterbacks now more than he ever wanted to. So, so when you look at this draft, uh, you know what? Before I get to the players, because we've got about 10 minutes left. So what about the hats? i got to ask about the hats. So this is the first year, obviously, where you're not all, you know, on the grand stage and they don't have everything ready. Did they send 32 hats to every single player in the top that was projected to go in the, in the first? I mean, how did they know what hat to have? Yeah, I, I think I think they have some insight on that. Uh, um, my guess is that they probably sent them upwards of a dozen. Yeah. Probably like, okay, give us the 12 teams that you've been talking to the most, yeah. and then if you don't get drafted by one of them, you just don't put the hat on. Could you imagine? Like, it's just so funny. I mean, and some of the reactions. I, I think – I actually think they knew about the pick before. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I really I think that's what happened. I don't know – I don't know what the inner workings of that were, but I follow a guy on Twitter who was talking about the picks a solid minute and a half to two minutes before they were even broadcast on TV. So I don't know if something was being streamed or interesting. He had, you know, he's got media credentials. So he had a, a link to a website or I, I have no idea what the deal was, but he was, he was complaining about the Jalen Hurts pick before the Eagles even selected it. Well, so, Baldinger, Baldinger predicted that the Eagles were going to take Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't know if it was a week before or a couple days before, but he has this long article talking about how don't be surprised if the Eagles look and, and pick Jalen Hurts. Well, I, I, hey, I'm hmm. fine with Jalen Hurts in the fourth. Yeah. Right. Right, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And and I don't want to miss. And I said this before. I I don't want there the anybody to think that I have a problem with Jalen Hurts as a football player. He's like I said, an excellent leader and a mm -hmm. phenomenal talent. Just not at the second round for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's yeah. We, it was never about him as the player. It was about right. where he was picked. Exactly. Well, what do you guys make of this Schefter story that came out though that? Mm. Because of the coronavirus, teams are putting a premium on backup quarterbacks now. Because, one, what happens if your starting quarterback gets infected? And then, two, Tony, to your point earlier, you could possibly have to go into the season with no OTAs and basically like a three-week training camp. I I think it's there has to be some credence to it, and I and I I, I think it's a, a very highly professional opinion because number one, all all three of us right now, like we they were uh, talking off air. I mean, we we really have no idea where this is going to go. I mean, I I I for one, as a youth sports coach, I don't even think we're going to have youth sports in the fall. So. You know, if that's the case, and I know uh, I was going to get to that, but we'll get to that next week. I know the NBA is talking about opening practice facilities May 1st, and, you know, it looks like the NHL is talking about a June start and then July Stanley Cup playoffs. I, you know, things are moving. I understand that. Uh, but, you know, look how long it took them to move. So what happens I, when they get the first sniff of something bad again? 
how do they what do they do down to shut down things do they shut down even longer than they shut down this time that and that's the thing we, we, we it's all an unknown all it takes is one player to get this and the whole legal shutdown and that's in the, any professional sports mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and I mean I think it was was it Japan or Korea one of them the baseball started uh, you know, when the, maybe it was Japan. Japan. One of them, the baseball. I think, was Ty- I think it was Taiwan, actually. Ty- real, yeah, and then a bunch of people got sick, and yeah, I, they started, and a bunch of people got sick, and they just kind of hit the brakes. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's 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 uncharted waters. We we really don't know. So to to Schefter's credit, and you know, to maybe Howie's credit, and maybe Sean Payton's credit. I mean, maybe this is what they're looking at. Maybe they are looking at. You know what? This is going to be a unique year. Which again bring me back to the Eagles, which is why I thought Howie left this team in an irresponsible fashion by not signing a receiver that was already polished in the offseason because of this same reason to expect a young guy to come in with no training and produce. I hate to keep bringing it up. You go, you have to go back to Amari Cooper. You have to go back to Dallas shafting us again and, and Howie dropping the ball and not going after Amari Cooper when you could have got him from the Raiders for for what? A couple of picks? And, and you know, um, if I told you that we could have had Amari Cooper for Rieger's pick and last year uh, number one or two, whatever it was, you'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? Knowing that you were able to line up Amari Cooper? I mean, I know I would. I, I still think Amari Cooper got overpaid. I wasn't a Amari Cooper guy. But to your point, you're right. If, if I had somebody, and I, I know we're going to talk, you know, Mar- Marquise Goodwin. And listen, he's a guy with bad knees, bad ankles, ain't played a full season, and I don't know how long. So, you know, I like the guy and all. We got him for a bag of donuts. So if he works out, great. But, I, you know, I'm not hoping for the world with him. No. I mean, you guys, you guys know I will fly the Eagles flag until the day I die. But I have to laugh at all these so-called, like, draft experts that are coming out now, like, the day after the draft and, and saying, oh, you know, look at how much speed the Eagles ha- added. The Eagles are going to be so dynamic this year. Like, <laughs> yeah. until, until they get on the field, yeah. they can't play. Yes, exactly. As as I'm concerned, the Eagles have one healthy wide receiver right now who's an NFL-caliber player, and that's Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Greg Ward, I like a little bit. Jay Jaw's still a project. Alshon's not healthy, and the rest of them are question marks. Yeah, we don't. We, who knows how many games Deshaun's going to play? Huh. Yeah. Yep. Unbelievable. So we got two minutes left. So just quick question here. Throws out a little fun question. Uh, I posted this earlier. Take those top six receivers that were drafted in the first round. Who has the best fantasy football season this year out of all all six of them? Yeah, Mike. Guys, I'll let you go first, Mike. Jerry Judy. I like that. I like that pick. I I, I mean, if you look at what Denver is putting together with – I mean, they already had Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, and now you add Judy and Hamler. I mean, that's just – that's going to be sick. Now you're right. If Drew Drew Locke can get them the ball, that's like, you know – that that's like run and shoot all over again. How about you, Dave? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Rugs. I'm with you. 
I'm going with Ruggs, though. I'm going to go with the Raider. I think he's got the most opportunity. I think he's going to get the most looks, the most targets. I think Gruden is in love with him, going to utilize him the right way. I think he has all the makings to have a really good standout season. Yeah, I, I, I love the Raiders' offense. I mean, honestly, the weakest link of their offense right now is their quarterback, and he's really not that bad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he gets a bad rep, doesn't he? He, he, really he, does. Does, he, does, he gets a bad rep. He's a nice player. Well, that's your problem, though, Dave. He's a nice player. He's a nice player. Nice nice on that, yeah, he's a nice player. On that note, we got about 30 seconds, so let me get the plug. So, again, thanks for everybody listening because these, these episodes are interesting. Uh, they're different. Uncharted Waters, we're doing the best we can with our sound, with our quality. Again, Tony Jigsaw Cotillo at T. Cotillo 23, Coach Dixon, all right, Coach Dave Dixon at Coach Dixon three six five, and Mike. I, I got it. At Big Mikey Smalls.